Let's jump into a quick review. Um, the first week we talked about this. Come on, put it on the screen for me. Um, we said this, that the kingdom of darkness is real. Everybody say real. The kingdom of God is real. And we, we, draw, we drew a distinction because many of us have asked the question, what is the kingdom of God? It's the opposite of the kingdom of darkness. But we also said that the kingdom of darkness is real and it's important. And we spent a long time giving stories about how individuals, let's just do it again. If you've ever experienced a demonic presence that you knew was demonic, raise your hand. Raise your hand. Look around. Put your hands down. Why do we do that? So that we can come to know that it is real. Because if we don't believe that it's real, we won't guard against it. All right, here's what we said next. We talked about um, putting on the full armor of God. How, how do we withstand, Paul told us, how do we withstand the schemes of the enemy? By putting on the full armor of God, which is the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the gospel of peace, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation. And this one is not, but we just include it, praying in the spirit. Paul closed out that verse by saying, this is the armor of God and do this. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that. Uh, the next week we talked about this. Um, we talked about the belt of truth. Um, I, I love this. The first piece of the armor is the belt of truth. Truth, by its very definition, is exclusive. It means something is true and other things are lies. Ooh. The evil one is the father of lies. Every lie finds its origin in him. We talked about a few things, and I won't go here today. Go back and listen. But we identified a few areas in which we need the truth to come to light. Put it on the screen. Sex. Politics, love, violence, racism, gender identity. I'm not going to go into that. You got to go and listen. Sexism, parenting, marriage, alcohol, and the church. We talked about this the next week. You're like, who? Can we go back? Nope. Keep going. <laughs> Pastor Truth was with us and he talked about deconstructing the devil. Everybody say deconstructing the devil. One of the things he defined for us was that we're living in the age of deconstruction. But he also said deconstruction without reconstruction is dangerous. So many of us, are strugg we've struggled with our faith. We we've challenged certain things. And here's what we'll say. It's important for you to challenge things. It's important for you to question what you learned as a child. You got to grow up, right? You got you to come out of grandma's faith and you got to develop a faith of your own. That's the, the role of deconstruction. But many of us stop at deconstruction and we don't reconstruct. That's when you grow. You don't grow when you just deconstruct. You grow when you deconstruct and reconstruct. Because if you can, and his, uh, many seminaries use this approach. There are many seminaries, I have to warn many um, future pastors and leaders of going to, because I'm, I have to say, hey, if you go here, you got to be ready. Because their entire job within the first year is to destroy your faith. Why are they destroying your faith? Because they know if you can persevere through the destruction and reconstruct, it'll be stronger. It'll be stronger. And so it is a theological principle to deconstruct, but it, but it does not come without reconstruct. So I want to encourage all of you, keep reconstructing and deconstructing and reconstructing. All right. Here's what we're going to talk about this week. Oh, let's keep going. I'll go back in there. All right. We're going to talk about the armor of God. I'm good. Love you, Jock. All right. Y'all ready? Um. In the mess, this is a continuation of the message, not last week, but the week before. I was supposed to talk about the, all of the armor, but I only got to one. <laughs> Y'all remember that? I was like, who? I can't, I can't. Sometimes the Holy Spirit puts you on a roll and you just got to go. Yeah. Right? And I hope that doesn't happen today, but it might. No, I do, do whatever you want, God. 
Um, but this is a continuation of it. We already talked about putting on the belt of truth. Everybody say the belt of truth. Today, we're going to start with talking about this. Come on, put it on the screen. The breastplate of righteousness. Why are we talking about this? We're talking about this because we've already identified. Can y'all see me? Can you see me? Awesome. We've already identified that the enemy is real. We've already identified that demons are fallen angels and that there are millions of them. And I love what Pastor Truth spoke about last week. He said many times when we're tempted, it's not the devil himself because he's not omnipresent. Did y'all catch that? He's not omnipresent. He's a fallen what? Angel. He's not omnipresent. It's usually he has he has governments of angels that are flying (laughs) demons (laughs) that are flying around, tempting you all around. And so the battle, in most cases, is not directly with Satan, but with his minions. So we've already identified that spiritual darkness is real and that the spiritual world is real and that he has an agenda to steal, kill and destroy. And he uses many things to do it. Why are we talking about the armor of God? Because Paul tells us this is how we withstand the schemes of the enemy. Putting on the belt of truth. The breastplate of righteousness. I love this. Do good. Everybody say do good. good. Be good. good. Live right. right. I want to do it again. Do good. good. Be good. good. Live right. One more time, but this time I want you to do it. This look at somebody next to you in the eyes and say it like you mean it. Say, you better do good. You better be good. And you better live right. <laughs> That's the, that last one, y'all like that last one. You say, you better live right. <laughs> That's old school. Live right. See, the old church didn't have it all wrong. They had a lot of things right. As we enter into this age of deconstruction, we very seldom talk about living right. But Paul says, this is how you put on the breastplate of righteousness. This is how you withstand the schemes of the enemy by doing good, being good, living right. I want to give you a scripture that undergirds this. It's one of my favorite. Come on, put it on the screen. Therefore, if I say, therefore, I urge you. Brothers and sisters, you good. In view of God's mercy, (laughs) to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Can can we just, I know you said, but can you say living sacrifice? Living sacrifice. He says this, he says there, I urge you. In view, I love that, in view of God's mercy, to offer, to offer, which means it's your choice, to offer. Anybody ever been offered something? Say, hey, I want to offer you some crackers. I want to offer you some, I want to, that is a choice. You are offering. And Paul says, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. I'll keep going. Holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. 
but be transformed by the renewing. The renewing. The renewing. The renewing. Be, 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 what was, be transformed. Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Don't be conformed to the pattern of this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind, of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. We're talking about holiness. We're talking about living right. Now, here's the deal. You don't have to like holiness for it to be right. The gospel at its best is offensive. I would venture to say the more you're offended by God's word, the better. Because we are naturally wired, and this is why it talks about being transformed. Don't be conformed to this world. We are naturally conformed to this age. Come on, and we've had a lot of years to be conformed. Since, since birth, we've been programmed to go against God. We've been programmed to go against him. Come on, we don't have to fight to do wrong. We got to fight to do right. Nobody had to tell you how to lie. You just knew. Did you do that? Nope. Wait, what? You're four. I didn't do it. What? You did do it. We just saw you do it. Nope. With a straight face. Wasn't me. Not at all. We don't have to fight to do wrong. Why? Because we're naturally conformed. We have to fight to do right. I, I love this idea of, of, of sacrifice. But, but, the, but the question is, is, what is a living sacrifice? <laughs> what is a living sacrifice? Th- th- there is a reason that Paul says present and offer your body, there's that word body, and then he goes into living sacrifice. He connects it. The order is on purpose. He says offer your body. I-, I love what one theologian, as he um, dove into this and began to break this apart, I love that he spent some time on the idea of our bodies not being enough. If our body, he compared it to the Old Testament. When we talk about the idea of sacrifice, Paul is referencing the sacrifice says that were made in the Old Testament to atone sin. Come on, before, can we go on a theological? But before Jesus rose, there was only a few ways to be atoned for sin. Sacrifice. Sacrifice, sacrifice, sacrifice. They would bring these animals and they would sacrifice Right. And the sacrifices had to be pleasing to God. In other words, they had to be clean. They had to be amazing. You were presenting this to God. So when Paul goes back to this, he he references this presentation, this offer that we are familiar with because of the Old Testament and because of the first right covenant, the first dispensation. We, We know that this is how God we offer to God. And Paul is saying, hey, we don't offer animals anymore. We offer ourselves. 
You got me? You, you, and, but the question becomes, and I love what this theologian was wrestling with, are our bodies enough? And the answer is no. Our bodies are not enough. We're dirty. Right? Why would God want this human? Because Paul isn't talking about the flesh. He's talking about our actions. And he references your body because you make decisions with your mind and they carry out through your body. And he says, would you offer your body? Your, your, your decisions, your actions. Would you, would you offer them as a living sacrifice? Living denotes now. Would you offer that? Come on, we're talking about putting on the breastplate of righteousness. I, I want to give you a few areas that when we look in our world today, and I'm going to jump right into like, I don't really, I don't do this much, but I'm jumping right into pastor land. I'm, can I pastor you for a second? I don't do this much, but I'm getting ready to get your business. <laughs> This is it. So just if you feel like, man, he's really, yep, I'm, I'm, I'm in that land today. I want to give you a few areas, and I hope I don't get stuck here because I need to get to the rest, of sacrifices that we need to make today. And, and these are the ones that we usually struggle the most with. When we do an inventory on our world today and we say, am I offering my body as a living sacrifice? Am I being conformed to this world? Or have I been transformed? These are the areas we struggle with the most. And, and, and I want you to write these down or even take a picture because you should use this as a litmus test every morning or every week or every month. When you ask yourself, am I offering my... Now, I, I want to withstand the schemes of the, of the enemy. I, I put on the belt of truth and, and then the breastplate of righteousness. I want, I, I want to live in righteousness. Now, I, as, a, as a sidebar, because I know somebody's thinking that we're not talking about being in right standing with God. Jesus already did that. You're, we're not talking about your salvation. I got, but, because we get confused. Righteousness, wait, I thought Jesus... No, he made you righteous. We're not talking about that. We're talking about offering your bodies... Every single day as a living sacrifice. Y'all ready for them? Put them on the screen. Put them on the screen. I'm going to try not to go too deep on these. But I'm going to go one by one. This is a litmus test for if you are offering your bodies as a living sacrifice. Here's the first one. Time. Come on, look at me. What do you spend the most of your time doing? How much time do you dedicate to God in your life? Because I would venture to say, you can't say that you're fully operating and offering your body as a living sacrifice if you never spend time with God. If I want to know where your heart is, I can look at a few things. We'll get to the second one in a second, but I can definitely look at your time. 
Listen to me. It is not a sin not to come to church. But if you show up on Easter and Christmas. I want to know what you're doing with your time. Because when we come in here, um, this is an intentional gathering dedicated to the Lord. I want to know what you're doing with your time. Now, some of you might say, well, I only come to church a little bit, but I spend time. I would say, I, I would venture to say, if you not, if you only come to church twice a year, I, I can almost imagine what you're doing in your private time. Usually individuals that are showing up at church, they pray a little more. You don't just all of a sudden develop a new habit. Right? You can't live in conflict with yourself. Your patterns begin to flow from where you are into other areas of your life. So if you show me somebody who is consistent with coming to church, God's gathering, and, and maybe this isn't your version of church, maybe it's something else. Come on, we define the church as many things. It's not the four walls, but it is the intentional gathering of the saints. And it's not just hanging out at Crystal's or McDonald's or Applebee's or at Top golf. That's not the church. It's an intentional gathering, the apostles told us, where we're worshiping, we are praying, we are studying, and we're gathering, and we're communing. What do you do with your time? How much of it belongs to God versus how much of it belongs to you? Sometimes we get so focused on our goals that we trade our ambition for communion with God. Come on, I hear this in the spirit. Some of you are wondering, how come I don't feel as close? You don't spend time. Come on, this is the discipleship. I, I told you I'm a pastor. You don't spend time. How do you expect? Come on, if, if we talk about being in love with God. Come on, who's been in love before? Or who thought you were in love <laughs> Infatuation. I'll give you that. <laughs> Come on. What, what do you do when you're in love? How, how does your time look? Come on. You on the phone with him every five minutes. No, no, I just came to work. No, I'm going home. No, I'll call you when I go to the restroom. No, no, no. Yeah, I just got in the car. I'm going to text you again. You didn't call me last night. No, we, we talked at six. No, but you didn't call me at seven because that's when we said... Anybody ever been on the phone? Come on, be real with someone you in love with from 12 a.m. to 5. Man, I got to go to work now. We just. Why? Because you love them. Do you do that with God? Huh? Come on, you more in love with somebody that's cute than you are with God. Come on, we're talking about presenting your bodies as a living sacrifice. I love God. Do you? You love them? Do you love God? Or is God an accessory? In you? See, I'm getting to... When I get to him, I'll get to him. I got to text her back first. When the last time you prayed? Money. That's next month. So I can't spend a lot of time there. But what I will say is those individuals that give to God's kingdom. I'm not just talking about the church and we're going to talk about this next month. The church is ground zero, but we're talking about I love Jim Barnes, who just became a pastor today. 
She's giving to the church, but she also gives so much to third world countries. Those places that are, come on, God's called us to that. How much of your money is going to God's purposes? Those that give to God's church and God's kingdom, and I don't want you just to focus on the institution. I want you to focus on God's work in the earth. They understand something. They understand that it's not about the money and it's not about the amount. It's about the sacrifice for God's work. One of the reasons the Catholic church is one of the biggest church. I mean, they own land all around is because people understood if we don't invest in God's kingdom, it won't be built in the earth. Come on, we're doing a litmus test. Where do you spend your money? When is the last time you gave to something that wasn't about you? But you gave to something else. You gave, I'm not to, listen, some of you are like, hey, I don't got no extra cash. Okay, I got it. I'm not talking about amount. When did you give 20 cents? Come on, God is not after your money. He's after your heart. He's after your heart. And those that give to the kingdom know, and I've said, I don't want to get ahead because I'm going to say this. I'll just say it now because I'm going to say it next month. If we don't support God's work in the earth, we cannot complain about what the enemy is doing. You complain about this on TV and this on the radio, and I can't believe they're doing this with our kids, and I can't believe movies are going this way, and I can't believe I don't have nowhere to go, but you don't support his kingdom. How do you expect it to be built? You think it's just going to happen out of nowhere? No, no, we come, we are the church. We are the church. And when we come together, we build his kingdom. But many of us have the mentality of God will take care of it. It's his church. He'll provide. I'm going to just be a consumer. I told you I'm in pastor land. I'm sorry. Where do you spend your money? Here's the next one. In your attitude. We're talking about being righteous in your attitude. I know some of you like, that's just my personality, but you can't be moody all the time. You moody all the time. It's like, I just don't wake up until 10. Don't talk to me. So I'm giving myself permission to be rude. You, you don't have permission. You're a believer. You are God's representative in the earth. Come on, I'll give you a pass on road rage, but at some point we got to talk about it. We got to, you like, that's just a small thing. No, it all adds up. Come on, who are you at your, who are you at your job? What do non-Christians say about you? You keep trying to invite people to church. They're looking at your life. You ain't happy. You're never happy. You're always depressed. You always got an attitude. You always see the wrong in something. Why would they come to a, to a God that produces that? What's your attitude? That's the first thing people see about who you are. Come on, you can't change your attitude. Get out of the job. But if you sign up for it, you better show up. And be loving when you're there. How many times, come on, this is for somebody. How many times are you cursing people out? Jesus. That's fine. You got so used to cursing people out, you just say, this is just a part of who I am. You ever seen the, the, uh, the, 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 the post that says, I still curse. I love God, but I still. 
I get it and I have grace, but I'm also saying, what are we giving ourselves permission to do? You're talking about, this is what Paul is saying. The breastplate of righteousness. You want to withstand the schemes? Check your attitude. Because your bad attitude will lead to bad decisions. And your bad decisions will create a foothold for the enemy. You don't see it adding up. Your, your bad attitude will destroy your marriage. Your bad attitude will destroy your friendships. And you wonder, how come I don't have a community around me that loves me and pushes me closer to God? Nobody wants to be with you. And so what happens when you're in isolation, the enemy? What happens when you don't have God's people? Then what, what happens is you start attracting other people that don't have a good attitude. And nine times out of ten, if they don't have a good attitude, they are not that close to God. Now you look around you and there's darkness everywhere. How did I get in this? You created it. You attracted it because you didn't want to sacrifice your body as a lip. Who do people say you are when you walk out of the room? Forgiveness. Dang, I'm not going to get to all of these. We'll come back. Um, forgiveness. Ooh. God says, Jesus says, I forgave you. If I forgave you, you should forgive others. Who? Come on, I feel the weight in the room of someone. You, you've been holding on to that grudge. For so long. To be righteous means to forgive. We're not talking about forgetting. We're not talking about creating boundaries. We're talking about forgiving. Truly forgiving. Jesus is on the cross. Forgive him for they know not what they do. Who, 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 are, who haven't you forgiven? Oh, I get it. You don't want to forgive them because you think you're better than them. That's what it is. I would never do that, but you did something else. What they did to me, they should be ashamed. They don't deserve my forgiveness. One God is saying, no, they don't, and you didn't either. So I'm asking you to give it to them because you didn't deserve it. So because I gave it to you, give it to somebody else. But then on the flip side, you did something. There are people on the other side of your life that say, how can they do? You did it. You. You betrayed. You lied. You cheated. You stole. You broke the heart. You did. You're not clean. <laughs> I ain't clean. None of us are clean. I got it. When did you start thinking you were clean? That's what you thought. Oh, I'm clean because I'm hurt. No, you ain't clean. You just hurt. But you ain't clean. 
Somebody had to forgive you. Come on, in your marriage, you got to forgive quick. I'm not saying, hear me, I'm not saying don't create boundaries because that's necessary. I'm not saying don't reposition relationships because that's necessary. I'm not saying forget because that's, I'm saying forgive what's in your heart. You can't be righteous if you don't forgive. Yeah. Because that, on the other side of that forgiveness is air, room for the kingdom to come in, to invade that place. Discipline. Let's talk discipline. Discipline, discipline, discipline. Time check. Ah, awesome. I'm only going to get to this. It's over. <laughs> but I need to stay here, don't I? I need to stay here. Discipline. Come on, I felt this in my spirit so heavy last night. Do you know how many undisciplined Christians we have? Dang, there was there was one person I was hoping would be here today. <laughs> I wasn't always disciplined. I had to learn how to be disciplined. And so do you. I'm talking about your witness. I'm talking about people seeing you and going, I need to be like them. How many promises do you break? You said you would be there. You didn't show up. And let's be honest. It wasn't even personal. You just forgot. And for you, it's like, huh? But you're communicating something about who you are. I'm going to talk to the business. How many business people do we know that are not disciplined? They don't show up on time. They don't complete the work. They don't return the phone call. You invited me in and it's now, what are you doing? Right. We're talking about being righteous. Discipline is a part of righteousness. I'm not saying I'm perfect at all. I'm pastoring myself. I'm pastoring you. But I do want to know what your house looks like. If somebody came to your house right now, would they say God is here? Or is it so messy? (laughs) Come on, that's a form of discipline. I'm going to flip it because you're like, it's too personal. How many times have you met somebody with a clean house, with a clean car? I'm working on it. And, and you went, ooh, I need to be like them. Right? Because there's something about discipline that is attractive. 
There's something about beauty. We talk about beauty all the time, which is why we say excellence, right? We talk about beauty all the time because we say it is our attempt to get back to Eden. Come on, when we understand what God created in the Garden of Eden, it was beautiful. But when you look at it, it's discipline everywhere. How disciplined are you? I'm going to do two more and I'm done because I got to let you go. But this is a big one. Mentally stable. I want to talk about your health. I want to talk about your insecurity and your social cues. We're talking about being righteous. The idea of righteous is being God's representative in the earth. That when people look at you, they see Jesus. They see love. They experience peace. Being righteous. It's very difficult to be disciplined. To honor your time. To put your money where you need to be. To, to get your attitude right. To forgive if you are mentally unstable. We talked about this a few weeks ago. Are you doing your work? You can't be mentally unstable and proclaim I'm God's representative. You can be. There's grace. He loves you. But we're talking about being righteous. And we're also saying that if you can do being righteous again. It protects you from the schemes of the enemy. But I can show you at least 10 people right now that are not mentally stable and they've invited the enemy into their life. Why? Can I give an example? Um, You you stand up on stage or, or you pray for somebody, you lay hands, and then we find out that you're cursing somebody out somewhere else. You, you, your anger is out of control. I'm not talking about what we see. I'm talking about what we don't see. How many times are you freaking out? I, can I just give an example? Because I, I got to get honest for you to get honest. For me, I realized I was a, a version of mentally unstable. We all got something in us. And people would send me emails and I had a little bit of trauma that I hadn't worked out. I would be going off on an email on one word. I'm like, what you mean by this? What you... And the Lord said, you need to get that figured out. You can't be spazzing on people. <gasps> this is, can we be, I told you it's going to be, you can't be spazzing on people all the time. You're just freaking out. Nobody knows what's wrong with you. Because you, you're not doing your work. You're not in therapy. You get triggered by something that has nothing to do with them and you flipping out. That's not being righteous. Can we talk about social cues? We don't talk about this. That's why I want to talk about it. Has anybody ever been around somebody that is unaware of what they're doing? You're like, we've been standing here for like 20 minutes. Why are you still here? I'm going to head out, right? Like you just, you don't, let me tell you why getting your social cues right. Can I give you a question and I'm done? What is it like being on the other side of me? That's the question. Here's the 
Can I ask you another question? Do you know? If you don't know what it's like being on the other side of you, how can you steward the love of God flowing out of you for the sake of somebody else? Many of us have hurt people unintentionally because our social cues are off. You talk a little bit too long. You stay a little bit too long. You're not being sensitive. You're letting your insecurity run rampant. You're oversharing. I just met you. Why are you telling me about? Hey, what's your name? My name is so-and-so. Man, I, you know, I'm, you know, my husband is, whoa, whoa. You know, I'm hurt. I'm just going through a lot right now. And I'm just trying to figure out what to do. Uh, oh, you know, thank, thanks for, I see. <laughs> I was just trying to get a coffee and I'm. All of that is a part of your witness. And all of that is a part of being righteous. Last but not least, I'll end here. Consistent. Being fully integrated. Being fully integrated. None of this stuff matters if you only do it some of the time. The problem with Christians today is not that we don't know how to do this. It's that we don't do this continuously. So we're not fully integrated. We forgive some people, but not all people. We're mentally stable in one area, but not this one. We dedicate this over here, but, but not this over here. We, we, we're disciplined with our sexuality in this place, but not over here. The goal of the Christian is to become as fully integrated as possible. Meaning, when you show up in one place, you're the same when you show up in another place. That when your kids talk about you, they're not saying something different than your coworkers. When your coworkers talk about you, they're not saying something different than your friends. We should not, when your friends talk about you, your wife and your husband should say the same thing. Who cares if everybody else loves you if your family doesn't? You're nice to everybody, but you're gracious to everybody, but and again, I, I know family is crazy. I'm not talking about the crazy fam. I'm, I, I got to give disclaimers because some people you can't win with. But I'm talking about majority. The people that are closest to you, their testimony of you should not be different from someone else's. How many of us have been in situations, they, just, my, they, they love my husband, they love my, you, you're the best thing in the world. And you're going, who are you talking about? <laughs> right? That's the goal of the Christian. To become fully integrated, consistent in every area of life. We should see discipline everywhere. We should see kindness everywhere. We should see compassion everywhere. We should see knowing what's happening on the other side everywhere. Consistent. Come on, let's stand.
as we close, I'd love for you to close your eyes all around. And I want to pray for you. And then I want to, I want to make one ask. God, God, I pray that today you would work in our lives and make us consistent. Give us the strength and the courage to do the hard work of being disciplined and of being mentally stable, of doing our work. That you be glorified because of our witness. That, that we know that we are righteous already in your sight but that our actions would be righteous. And we would not give a foothold to the enemy to come in. That we fall victim to the schemes. Father, with our eyes closed, I pray for those that have never given their life to Christ. If you're under the sound of my voice with all eyes closed in the room. If you've never given your life to Jesus, if you witnessed what happened today and you said, man, I I felt the presence of the Lord here. I saw the moving of God here. I want to be a part of the kingdom. I want to be able to be righteous. In the sight of the Lord, not just with my actions, but because of Jesus's death, burial and resurrection, that I'd be saved. If that's you, would you put your hand up? All eyes are closed. Come on, lift that hand right now. Lift that hand. You want to give your life to Jesus. I see that hand. You want to give your life to Jesus. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. You want to be more disciplined, but it's hard. You're like, God, I need your help to be disciplined. I need your help to forgive. I see that hand. I need your help. I see that hand. I need, God, I need, I see that hand. I, I need your help to put on the full armor. I, I, I want to be honest. I, I want to move forward. I, I want to be your representative. I want to fulfill my purpose. I want to live in your call. Come on, lift that hand. I, it's not too late. It's not too late. There's no better time to join the kingdom than right now. Come on, be bold and brave. I see it. I knew it was one more. Come on, let's say this is one church. God, we give you our lives. We believe that you sent your son to die for us. And on the third day, he rose. And as he rose, we were set free. As he rose, our sins were forgiven. As he rose... We gain access to our Father in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, open your eyes and give God praise for those that join. Yeah, 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 yeah. Those that join the kingdom today. Listen, it was a lot of you. I want to say this. You gave your life to Christ today. Hang out with us for a few months. We want to walk with you. We want to love on you. We want to help disciple you. We want to help free you. We also believe if God sent you here, it's because you're a leader. God's going to get the glory out of your life.